2: Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first, On Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 192, brought to you by Hook'em.com, our good friends at Bud Light. My name's Cedric Golden, and I'm joined by my boy, the Duck, Kirk Bowles and Duck. Big news coming out of college football. We know the Longhorns are on a bye. You wanted to go ahead and talk about this, this Big Ten thing? Let's just get it out of the way before we get to the Longhorns in the bye week.
3: Wait, 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 wait! Big Ten's not playing now. They're playing, and what? <laughs> is the
2: pandemic over? What happened to the? What happened to the scientists and the medical professionals? The Big Ten, oh my God! They put the kids first, and they did the right thing. But we all should... of a sudden, October twenty-fourth, they're back playing tackle football, dog.
3: Well, I've heard they're going to change their name from Big Ten to the Big
2: Wishy-Washy. <laughs> so, uh, take, you know, take a note from the Big 12. We, You know what we did down here, Doug? We made a tough call, and we, we have football season going on. Mm-hmm. And now, all of a sudden, the conference that's been the, the leader, the old guy, the old sage, yep. Big Ten is now voted to return to the field and Little Brother, Pac-Twelve, they they're gonna try to finish up these wildfires and some testing protocols. And they're talking about mid-November.
3: Maybe uh, Big Ten should change their thing to on second thought. Wow. Yeah. On second yeah. thought, I
2: think we're gonna play football.
3: It's not a it's not a good look for the Big Ten. It's like, well, it's it's improved so much in the last month. Well, has it improved that much? No yes, the rapid testing is improved. Yeah. I'll give them that but,
2: but the spread
3: the spread's is still
2: there the scare's still there and college campuses are non-compliant the kids yeah. the kids are still partying they're mask yeah. they're not masking up and so the dangers are still there but what they saw last week, duck is life went on without them yeah and they knew they the big twelve played to positive reviews, and I'm saying positive in the right sense of the word, reviews, yeah. and, and the ACC got it done, and a lot of these little conferences got it done as well, including the the ever-powerful Sun Belt. That's for another conversation. Cool. But uh, college football went on without them.
3: Yeah, they they, 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 they were afraid of being left out. behind, Cedric. They, they were left out. And the the big 10 players and coaches are watching it play out in front of their eyes. And they were pissed off. And, uh, the big 10 finally heard their voices and don't think the, the Ryan days of the world weren't putting pressure on their, you know, ADs and presidents and chancellors to traverse themselves. And it's, it's, it's a bad look, you know, and, uh, but I don't know. In a, in a way, though, even though we may chastise them for this reversal, it's we win because we get to see more big-time football. Now, there are tons of issues with this. There are eight games, supposedly, with no bye weeks in between. That's what crazy. Are the, That's what crazy. are the chances of postponements, cancellation? Baylor's playing on Saturday. You're going to be at the Baylor-Houston game. It's, it's Dave Aranda's third first game on the schedule and they finally gonna get to the get to the
2: field. So
3: I'm doubling up. Them on, back. I'm,
2: doubling, I'm, them back. I'm doubling up on those on my masks and wake up. I'm duck, I haven't been around people for a long time. I I have a couple of friends over and we're all masked up uh-huh. and uh, and I'm around my family. But I I mean I don't know if our people know this. I haven't seen you in person. In six months, and I know it is it's that been, nuts, it's been glorious. It really has. Thank, thank God for Zoom. Oh,
3: so, thanks for the invite. You have close friends over, but I'm still yeah, that's, stuck a po-
2: that's a poker game, and you don't play.
3: You I, try, I forgot your gambling addiction, I forgot yeah. about this. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know you, Cedric. Seriously, you've been as cautious as any of my friends and anybody that I know, and uh, my wife and I have been to two restaurants and both in the last three weeks with uh, family members. And otherwise we haven't gone out either. So, uh, I don't know. I think, I don't know if the scare or the fear is diminishing, but you and I talked before we started taping, there are a lot of traffic in Austin. Traffic's
2: back, Kirk. It is back. It's back so, dog.
3: so I don't, don't you think in people's minds, they think, the majority think well we're over the hump is that fair
2: yeah yeah it is because and the problem with that thought process in my opinion is you think we're over the hump because you want to be over the hump you Mm -hmm. don't have a lot of data to support that you're over the hump some some of the positive tests are down but it's Mm -hmm. still spreading and we have a fundamental problem on college campuses and with people who have turned it into a, a political issue, uh, our president holds a rally in Nevada with over 1,000 people indoors, lots of them without masks. That's part of the problem and not the solution. And it's even worse, and I'm not trying to make this political, but it's even worse when he knew. He told Bob Woodward earlier this year that this thing is a monster. But, mm-hmm. he, but he gave a different face publicly and there are sheep out there that are going to follow him because they believe in him. And there's nothing wrong with believing in your president. But when your president is lying to us, mm-hmm. that's a problem.
3: Well, he says he didn't want to set off
2: panic. I'd rather panic and be informed than, than be a calm guy that got lied to, Duck. Thank you. We want to know the truth, and we can deal with it,
3: Okay. And uh, that's something he shouldn't be denying the American public. We both agree with that. So uh, I don't know. In, in, in my mind, I'd like to think we're over the hump. Not that it's safe right now. I'm going to keep wearing my mask. And like you said, we haven't seen each other in six months. So, you know, I don't know. Do you do – you, let me ask you this. The NFL, you know, went off without a hitch week one. I think they had one positive test you know, the week before they uh, started up play. Uh, do you think football is
2: safe right now, Sid? I think pro football is a lot safer than college football because I think the pro football players, and we got, we've got we uh, got Houston Chronicle longtime uh, columnist John McClain is going to be joining us in our next segment. We'll talk about the texans Ravens, But I think that pro football is safer because you have grown-ups making grown-up decisions for money and there's a lot more responsible people whereas and there's 32 owners who have already agreed we're going to make sure we get to keep our guys in line not as many social temptations as an 18 to 22 year old college kid uh who just got invited to a house party uh this weekend uh with a lot more free time so there's more buy-in with the pros I love what Tom Herman's done at Texas, and we're going to talk about the bye week a little later. I love what Tom Herman's done with Texas, but that is the exception, and I don't think it's the norm.
3: And you're talking fewer players with 53-man roster, and they're not on a college campus, you know, sharing a campus and classrooms with thousands of other students.
2: They can hunker down and, and be in one group setting. You can and and we've watched a, a lot
3: of football and a lot of sports so far. And uh, I was at the Texas game Saturday. They had fifteen thousand three hundred and seventy-seven. I don't know if it looked like that many on television, but it didn't. It looked And different. I was at the SMU Texas State game, and you saw a lot of people without masks. and And I think we're seeing that on a lot of these football games that are televised. There are lots of lots of fans there without masks.
2: So. I know they're feeling safer, but uh, I, uh, I- may personally don't feel safe yet. I'm I'm compromised. I'm pre-diabetic and I'm I'm, I'm a fat guy. I'm, I'm a big dude um, I've, and I've, I've got some health issues. Um, I, yeah, I feel great, but the virus comes after people who who are not in great shape mm-hmm. and um, and minorities have been hit really hard. Yeah. By, by, because of their, you know, maybe because of their, I don't know, physical makeup, their traditional diet. I don't know. But the numbers say minorities have been hit pretty hard. Um, that's why I've been a little bit more cautious than a lot of people. Uh, I, I get, I've been in a grocery store, maybe, maybe five or maybe 10 times at the most mm-hmm. since February, I've been doing curbside duck. Uh, yeah. I do but- curbside. they They bring it to my car and they put it in the back and, when I, when I go to our – I miss our little Wednesday Chinese lunches that we've had for 10 to 15 years, but um, I've been getting that to go and they bring it out to the car.
3: And we're, we're seeing uh, smaller, inclusive people in press boxes too. Uh, Brian Davis and I were at the Texas game while you and Danny were covering it from home. Uh, you know the role we sit on. Uh, there were two uh, SID types from uh, UTEP at the far end and then there were four riders on our row and wouldn't you guess there's probably what 15 riders something like that on our row alone Uh, one of six rows in the press box
2: oh yeah there's 40 there's usually like um there's the our row is always like 15 riders and then the row above us is usually like eight to Mm ten and then the tv guys sit down below us on that front row and there's always eight to ten of them so you're probably talking about 10, 20, 35 on our side on most games. But if it's a big game, it's way more I than think, that. I think
3: they had maybe 24 riders total uh, in the Texas press box. So, like I said, we were very spread out, very distant. I bet it was, you know, I had Brian to the right of me and Anwar Richardson to the left of me, and both were probably eight feet away, you know, and we all were back we all wore masks the entire time. And, uh, the protocol was very, uh, smooth. We went to the loading dock at Royal Memorial stadium and they did a temperature check through our wrists, which is the first time I'd encountered that as far as a temperature check. So, uh, but, uh, I talked to Chris Del Conte yesterday and I said, were there any hitches? He said, Oh, you know, just a couple of hiccups, but, uh, uh, everything went pretty smooth, and if you saw the cardboard cutouts on TV, I which I know you did, they were placed on that east side as kind of a buffer between the students to the south of them, and then to other fans to the north of them, trying to create a little buffer
2: uh, between the two segments. So uh, I, I uh, smartly, you did a good was smartly job. yeah, smartly done, smartly done. So, uh, but we know the Longhorns are off this weekend, uh, mm-hmm. and. Very big win, 59-3 over, over UTEP. Uh, um, it, it didn't, um, you know, it didn't tell us everything we needed to know, but the fact that they worked the team that they're supposed to work, to me hmm. is, is, is better than that playing down to the competition, Texas, that we've seen in the past.
3: And we've seen that <laughs> last weekend from the other big 12 teams in the schedule going over three against the Sunbelt and Texas tech being pushed to the max by little old Houston Baptist. I, I don't know how many people knew Houston Baptist had a football team, but this is the same Houston Baptist team that lost to North Texas, 57 to 31, you know, a week before. So it's the big 12 looked less like a juggernaut and, uh, to me, puts more urgency on the Texas and Oklahoma's that if you're going to win this Big Twelve, you better go undefeated. If you want to Not make sure it I,
2: I I believe that Tech will play better against Texas. Sure, they always after, after the bye week, but and before, it's that yeah, love. it's that love, but before we get to the bye week, there, there are a lot. These guys have responsibilities now, Duck. Uh, this this coming weekend, there's no football. Uh, they're young guys. Are they going to be able to? Sit at home and 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 hang out in their small groups and avoid uh, large gatherings and house parties and stuff like that. Um, I think it's a really interesting topic and uh, uh, listen to this exchange I had with Tom Herman on uh, on Monday. Tom, I know it's a unique bye week in that it pre- presents an elevated. A group of social responsibilities compared to other seasons. Um, how confident are you in your players and your leadership council that things will stay on the
0: straight and narrow? To you guys head to Lubbock? Really confident. I got to be honest with you, Cedric. And and this may I may wake up tomorrow and it bite me in the in the you know what. But to get to when I look around and I I, I read the news of of what other teams are dealing with all across the country. I, I tell our guys every day how proud I am of them. Every day. Uh, and, and it's them. They're doing it. And it's nothing. Yeah, we're educating and we're telling them and, and we're stressing the importance of, of being diligent and you know, taking care of each other as well as yourself. Um, but I'm sure other teams, other coaching staffs across the country are, are, are saying the same thing. And uh, our level of buy-in, by our players and and not just it 's not just a matter of belief and buy in it's a matter of then you got to go do it and doing it is the hard part because it is so inconvenient it is so abnormal uh, that the things that these guys have to do to maintain a level of security within our program you know it's it's difficult and it's going to continue to get difficult, probably get even more difficult. And but the original question was how confident I am that we can maintain this level of diligence. I'm extremely confident knowing what I've seen here the last six, seven weeks. So, Duck, he is extremely
2: confident that his <laughs> guys are going are going to be compliant and that that they're going to continue to win this battle against the covid.
3: He is, and uh, uh, Sam Ellinger was saying the same things on Saturday night, and some of the players we talked to on Tuesday also said, no, the leadership is strong. And and, and as you and I both know, it, it doesn't take many to stray and to put everybody at risk. So it's, it's going to be an ongoing uh, concern, if you will. It doesn't necessarily have to be a problem, but like you said, they're 18-, 21-year-old kids, and, uh, and it's not just, you know, going to parties and stuff like this. I mean, you can catch this anywhere and they're off, uh, this weekend. So how many of them are going home and they're going to be around parents and siblings who are, you know, uh, coming into contact with other people. So the risk is there. And, uh, we know Tom Herman is well aware of it, but
2: they sure seem to be approaching it the right way. You know what, Doug, I think, um, and, I've, and I know Tom, we didn't talk to Tom about this, but if I was Tom, I would have encouraged his kids to stay home, stay here, stay in town. Right. Stay It'd be in town. Don't, don't go do- back to your hometown when your friends hear that you're in town and, oh, my God, you're back? Let's get together. Mm-hmm. Let's hang out. I haven't seen you in a while. You played great this weekend. and And so all of a sudden you're in a social setting mm-hmm. with people you haven't been around, and you don't know who they've been around. And that's how it gets spread. And it doesn't take much to just ignite one, the world. One guy could expose 50 people.
3: And we, I talked to John Bianco yesterday. I said, how many active cases do y'all have right now? And he said zero. in Texas that's Tech, amazing. I reached out to Texas Tech yesterday. They had six active cases. But they're a program that had, I think, 75 You know, since Ju- July. So you know, there's that old herd immunity and LSU's Ed Orgeron is subscribing to that as well.
2: I I don't know, Duck, but my, my wife works with, uh, has a former coworker who said her daughter just came down with it for the second time. It's a different strain of, so we don't know. Just Mm -hmm. that herd mentality might work both ways. The, The strain may have changed. It's mm-hmm. kind of like the flu, so I'm not sure if yep. it, that would give me any comfort. I can't believe Orgeron said that. I just <laughs> thought that was cool. – <laughs> well, most of our guys already had it, so far.
3: <laughs> way to go, coach. Yeah, yeah. I even got my flu shot like a week ago. I don't know if you've had your flu shot. They're encouraging None. people to, to get their None. flu
2: shots earlier this I'm not year. I didn't get it last year, and I'm not getting it this year. I just don't want to be around people.
3: Do you not get the flu shot normally? You,
2: Why are you asking me that? I'm just asking. How many times have we walked downstairs at the Statesman together without uh-huh. making an appointment and because oh, they know they love us and gotten that flu shot from the HEV doctor?
3: Okay, so let me ask you a question. Is there a greater risk you going to CVS and having one pharmacist masked up with you masked up, giving you a flu shot than there is staying at home and saying, Well, I just don't want to get exposed to anybody. A, I would
2: encourage you to get that shot. That's a good question, but I'm I'm to the point right now that I don't want them injecting any kind of sickness inside of me in this climate. Because you get a they put a little flu in you. Sure. For those antibodies. So I'm not yeah, I'm I'm, uh, we Bev and I talked about it, and I don't. I think we're going to take a pass on it this year. So Bev's not going to get a shot either. I don't think so. I okay. Don't think so. okay. So, so, um, but getting back to the horns, Doug. Uh, one bright spot, and they uh, on a night of many, and and this is a guy who's been through it. Joshua Moore first play from scrimmage, seventy-eight yard house call, uh, and and immediately. Uh, you think, wow, they have another weapon. And then when you juxtapose it with ju- with uh, with Jake Smith being out with a with a with a injury and the oft injured injured Jordan Whittington being hurt again, it makes me feel a little bit better about that receiving core, especially with those newcomers Tariq Black and Brendan Schooler.
3: I feel very encouraged by their receiver room, and I think it's one of the best they've had in quite a while. Uh, You mentioned Jake Smith, who I think will be back for Texas Tech. Whittington, as you said, had a knee injury and is probably out three to four weeks. But like Joshua Moore, he looked great on that first catch and showed some wheels. He told me yesterday, he said, I think I'm the fastest guy on the team. Uh, you look at uh, Tariq Black, the Michigan transfer, looked good. Needs better ball security, but he looked tough. Uh, you look at Brendan Schooner, the Oregon receiver who was hoping to play at Arizona. Uh, this year until they canceled the uh, football. He looked good, made a couple big catches. And then we can't forget Kai money, uh, the walk on from South Padre Island, the, the, the all name team. And, you know, he, he looked better than Brennan Eagles, the first half and give Brennan Eagles credit. He
2: didn't. He was, ready. He he was ready
3: and half. And he had a great circus catch as well as Marcus Washington. One of my favorites had a very acrobatic catch. So, I feel very comfortable with Texas receivers, even with Whittington out and Jake Smith, maybe not a hundred percent
2: yet. And you think about it uh, Moore is very intriguing. And um, I don't remember ever talking to him, but he met, he met with us on Tuesday. And uh, <laughs> what I, what I hear from him is he's a very thankful kid for what, for what, for what he has been through and having another chance to, to uh, show what he can do at the University of Texas. Check out what he said. I man, that year and a half was a long, long,
0: long year and a half. You know, being away from doing, you know, what I love, which is playing football. Um, to be honest, man, every every game
2: that I did not play in last year, I I cried because you know, just me being who I am. I love football. Grew up around football. You know, be, coming here was my dream, and just to know that that I almost, you know, threw that away. It, it hurt me, so I, I was I was disappointed in myself at first, but um, I also learned that you know I'm I'm a strong individual. I learned that I have an awesome support system. Um, I learned that some of my friends weren't really my friends. Um, you know, I, I took I took a lot away from me. I'm, I'm thankful it happened, um, and you know, I'm just I'm glad to be back, man. Duck. What I hear in that is hunger and gratitude because Tom Herman could have said, you know what? Uh, You're a troublemaker. You, you, you can go play somewhere else. Go, you can go play junior college ball, Mm -hmm. but Tom gave him a shot and now he's making the most of it. And that's all any of us can do after making mistakes, try to atone for
3: them and do better. And to me, when we listened to him Tuesday, he, he showed a lot of personal growth, a lot of accountability. He didn't shy away. He said, "Hey, I deserved what I got." He said, "Coach Herman, as you, as we heard, he said you know could have kicked me off the team at any point, but he didn't. It showed he cared about me." And yes, he for those cynics, he say, "Well, yeah, he's got talent. You know, you don't kick off
2: somebody with talent." Well, hey, hey, yeah. I agree. Why do you think B.J. Foster's still on the team? Uh, exactly. If the, if the fourth, if the fourth string. Offensive tackle raised raised a ruckus. Yeah, he can kick rocks. He's probably gone. But BJ Foster started games. BJ Foster's made plays. Yeah, BJ Foster's got to make some plays this season. Tom but Herman's he smart enough to know, uh, but BJ's got to get enough. his get his his temper together. Yeah, he's he got to ch- rechannel his passions in the right way.
3: Yeah, he's a little too volatile, and uh, that's kind of the player he is. He's a very physical, aggressive a hitter in that secondary and you know he's running second team behind chris brown at strong safety and that didn't sit well but he, he's got to show more maturity and joshua moore would be a good role model for bj foster and the other one's demarvian overshone we visited with him uh, uh, on tuesday and i think you're going to write about him and uh you know here's a guy who is an undersized uh, kind of a lanky kid at sophomore and he's he said he pulled Coach Herman aside and said, "How best can you use me?" And so now he's uh, at linebacker and showing up as well. And like you said, he's grateful for the chance too. And it's all about making the most of your opportunity when it comes along.
2: You know, my favorite player on that defense to talk to is Keandre Colburn. I just uh, I get a big kick out of Keandre Colburn. He's he's cool. He's yeah. funny, and he's very very bright and. He answers the questions with honesty and mm-hmm. integrity. He kind of, you know, remember I, I like Chris Nels, big Chris Nels. I liked him as well. Uh, Puna, but he, Puna yeah, Ford too, and yeah. Puna. Yeah, but Puna did lie to us uh, one time about a team meeting. Puna, did y'all have a team meeting? Uh, no, we did not. Uh, Connor Williams, did y'all have a team meeting? Uh, yeah, we did. We did. We met. <laughs> so yeah, I'll always remember that about my guy Puna. Uh, but yeah, I, I do. I think he Andre Colburn. Maybe get maybe gets overlooked because uh, he's occupying a lot of blockers uh, when he's in the middle and some you know sometimes they move him out to the edge but I mm-hmm. I, I really like him I think that the front four is going to be better than any of us thought if they stay healthy but I'm still holding out uh, judgment on them I'm not I'm not about to throw them throw them a parade because they shut down UTEP.
3: Well, and you're right. I was a little disappointed in both the O-line and the defensive line. The O-line kept Sam upright, but the running game, they had 13 runs at three yards or less and only had like three rushes beyond 10 yards. It didn't look all that explosive. And uh, the D-line, like I say, the only pass sack was from uh, – quarterback sack was from Alfred Collins, who we all love. I think all-American candidate is this guy uh, uh, next year maybe. I mean, he's – you know, he's just huge. And Keandre mentioned, oh, the dude's a monster. We call ourselves the big dogs, and he's already a big dog.
2: So, and he's uh, talking about how good he is at basketball, and that's a dead giveaway. If someone's good at basketball at that size, you know he's an athlete. An athlete, got good feet and balance. And
3: uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I feel a little better about the defensive line than I did going into this season. But, uh, you know, One Graham is really going to to bring it big time. And, Come on, TQ. Uh, o- you know, Sai was good, but I don't know
2: if he flashed as much as I thought he the would. The professor didn't flash. I think he'll flash in Lubbock. Yeah. But he, but he didn't flash against UTEP. And um, I think he's going to have to learn the art of relentlessness at that position because that position is is just all about passion and honor. To me, the defensive end position, Duck, is like uh, Dennis Rodman on a rebound. Dennis Rodman was going to go get the ball. He was going to go rebound that ball. And it didn't matter if the guys uh, that he was going against were bigger, and they often were bigger or stronger than him. He was still going to pull down 14 or 15 rebounds a night. And right. defensive end is about going hard on every single play. And he's going to have to learn that. You can pick your spots at linebacker, duck, But at D N, and especially in a Big 12 where they pass all the time, Mm-hmm. He's, going, he's going to have to learn to rev that motor up 100%. He might be, he might be playing hard at about 85%. Right. Uh, I could see him go harder than he did.
3: I don't know who else uh, kind of jumped out at you. Uh, I thought it was good to see some production from tight ends. You know, Cade Brewer and Braden Light each had a couple of catches. So
2: Josh Thompson. Josh there. Thompson stood out. Yeah, he all, did. He was all he, over the place.
3: He could be a star. He had the big ear laceration, and Tom Herman said, you don't want to know how many stitches he had, so, which is weird, wearing a helmet and all. But uh, still a little bit worried about linebacker as well. Uh, don't know what you saw from uh, Juwan Mitchell. Court Jaques, the former walk-on, is continuing to impress. So it's good to get some production out of him. Uh, what did you see out of Caden Stearns' game?
2: He was quiet. I thought. I thought he was pretty quiet. But you got to remember who they were playing. Mm-hmm. So the opportunity to make plays isn't always there when a team can't move the ball on you and you're the safety and you're the, you're basically the quarterback back there. He kept things in order, but you know they're going to be asking. He's going a lot more is going to be asked of him moving forward. But this was a game where he didn't flash. But I don't know that that meant if, that he played badly. But I just don't remember. Him, I don't remember going. Oh, wow, did you see what Caden Searns just did? I don't remember doing that.
3: It didn't seem like they blitzed very much either. They, they, they didn't did, have to, they did what they had to do, they did what they were supposed to do, they didn't have to show much, which was their plan all along. So, uh, all in all, it, to me, they checked off a lot of things off the list, and uh, uh, I didn't see anything from Saturday that made me think, Oh, I don't know, this could be trouble. <laughs> so, uh like you, like you said, the bandwagon's taking all comers on, and especially how the rest of the
2: Big 12 looked. Uh, I think that wagon may be getting a little fuller, don't you? Oh, yeah, I believe so, too. And before we get to um, John McClain, um, one question. Texas Tech gave up 567 yards passing eight to Houston Baptist. Is, is Sam Ellinger just going to go in there and, and light them up, and Texas is going to be 2-0 and in a couple of weeks? Is that what you yeah, see sure. happening?
3: Yeah, I really do. I think uh, – now that's a different place, as we all know. It always seems like kind of Halloween, you know, out there on the high plains. But uh, And and Tech, Tech will play a lot better. Matt Wells is a good coach. But uh, that was not a good showing from the Red Raiders. So, I expect them to do better. But, uh, I don't know, I think there's a seriousness to this Texas team as far as taking care of business. They, they know – You know, I've heard a lot of these, you know, times running out. This is Sam Ellinger's last go around, you know, and I know he he could come back for another year, but you and I both know he's not going to. So if he wants to get it done, he's got to, you know, take care of business every Saturday. And I think he will. On Second Thought.
0: True crime lovers are always looking
2: for new and engaging content. The Already Gone podcast covers stories from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. Cases you haven't heard before, like the Mayo Hunters, or the murder of 16-year-old Justin Mello, plus better-known cases like the death of Jane Bashara and Illinois' own Lori Dan. Already Gone started in 2016, so there is a big back catalog for you to enjoy. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Good Pods, or your favorite podcatcher. You know, Doug, it's always a great, great time on the podcast when we can talk to our friend John McClain of the Houston Chronicle and our co-member of the Texas Sports Hall of Fame selection committee. Y'all got me on. Uh, what's up, John?
1: Hey, guys. How are you? Thanks for having me as always. Man, it's good to see you. Have you uh, uh, recovered from that trip to Kansas
3: City yet? Uh auspicious debut for the uh, Texans, wouldn't you say?
1: Uh, Well, it's the same way they've debuted the last four years and five of the last six, losing their first game. I was more interested in the atmosphere, the protest, seeing what the press box was like, uh, everything about the game in these unprecedented times. And and, uh, them only having 15,000 and change on fans worked out real well. The way they had them spread out, I think we'll see – more and more teams adding fans because the, the the Chiefs and the Jaguars did it. The Jaguars couldn't get uh, – um, they couldn't sell all their minimal amount of tickets. And mm. people said they didn't go to that one since they beat uh, Indianapolis.
3: Wow. Oh, wow. Hey, and, and like you said, fans were there, but those fans booed the two teams when they're locking arms at midfield in the pregame. What would you make of that?
1: Alcohol.
0: <laughs> there
1: was no to move fans like that. I, I, there were so many bad reports, as there usually is in the media. Um, they were talking about they booed the Texans for uh, staying, in the, staying in the locker room for the two national anthems. Well, they booed them when they came out for pregame warm-ups. They booed them when they went back in. Mm-hmm. And I said I tweeted they should have cheered them after they blew that lead up there in the playoffs. They should have loved them. A- Ovation,
2: <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking. They, Houston should be their favorite team. They let them back in and and allowed them to win a Super Bowl. Uh, it doesn't get any easier after that loss. You got the Baltimore Ravens coming into Houston on Sunday, and uh, we know what challenge that presents. But the elephant in the room, John. Uh, I've been wanting to talk to you all off about this. Uh, GM Bill O'Brien dealt star receiver DeAndre Hopkins to Arizona for running back, David Johnson, who's averaged like three and a half yards a carry over the last three years um, for a second rounder in 2020, a fourth rounder in 2021. He sent uh, DeAndre and a fourth rounder to the Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins debuted in Arizona, 14 catches for a buck 50. He's DeAndre Hopkins still. Uh, what's the mood in Houston? Because we all watch the scoreboard, and we see those stat sheets. Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller, is, is that going to be a mesh for to replace a guy like DeAndre Hopkins?
1: Well, Fuller had over 100 yards and eight catches in his first game. When Fuller played last year, they averaged six more points a game than they did when he didn't, and Hopkins played every game. And so the key for Fuller is to stay healthy. Brandon Cooks. Randall Cobb, David Johnson, I count him among the receivers because he may be the best receiver in the league out of the backfield. Mm -hmm. He averaged 10.7 yards a catch, which I think is his career average. And you guys know when you get a back average and you double figures, he's good. And Johnson averaged 7.7 yards a carry, but because they got down so much in the third quarter, he couldn't carry the ball more. He was the only thing I saw positive about the offense other than backup tight end Jordan Aikens. And um, the Texans looked like a team with some new players that was playing in the middle of uh, the preseason, probably the second preseason game. The Chiefs, who are the defending Super Bowl champions, looked like a Super Bowl champion. One penalty for five yards and no turnovers. And the only significant player they have who's new is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and he played a great game. He had 138 yards rushing. Texans run defense – it's a, I am I am mystified. It's what it, what's happened to them against the run. In O'Brien's first five years, they were never worse than 13th. And in uh, 2018, when they started 0-3 and finished 11 and 5, they gave up 81 yards a game rushing. They were third in the league. And through nine games last year, they gave up 84. They were great. Then they played like Baltimore. They get beat 41-7. Give up. 256 yards rushing, and in the 10 games since that Baltimore game, counting the playoffs and counting uh, the Kansas City game, they're giving up 164 yards a game. They couldn't stop the clock. Hmm.
3: Yeah, it's there's so much to unwrap from that trade and from the game. I, I thought I was impressed with David Johnson, uh, and I think he's
1: going to have a good year. Do you think so, uh, John? He stays healthy. People, one of the things people say, well, he hadn't done anything since 2016, and I don't call him income but two years ago he stayed healthy, he had 1,381 yards rushing and receiving, and 10 touchdowns. The Texans mm-hmm. would take that because he'd be like Carlos Hyde last year, rotating with Duke Johnson. Now, Duke Johnson's out with an ankle injury, first time in his career. Mm-hmm. He's been hurt. So There'll be more of an onus on Johnson, as there should be, because when he's healthy, he's been good. He missed three games last year with an injury, parts of two more. Uh, mm-hmm. Cliff Kingsbury benched him, and right. uh, uh, so, in 2017, he suffered a broken wrist in the first game and missed the season, so his problem has just been staying healthy. He's definitely motivated. As far as Hop, Hop played the way he's always played. Now, that was a career-high 14 catches, but he got that new contract. They're going to get the most out of him, and he played great, just like he did here. And, it, and right now, it's a lopsided trade on the Cardinals' behalf, but they use that second-round pick on defensive end, Ross Blacklock. He's way behind like all rookies are, other than Clyde Edwards-Lair. And uh, they also, because they got the second-round pick from Arizona, they traded their two to the Rams for Cook. So people here are ready to jump off the ledge. They're ready. Well, they always want O'Brien fired. They mm, want him.
2: Always. On,
1: and that's not going to change. And maybe if they bomb out, uh, which I don't think they will with Watson at quarterback, mm-hmm. then maybe he'll get fired. But uh, I was asked this morning if his job – if he was on the hot seat. And I said – After one game, are you kidding me? Don't you keep up with what's going on with the Texans in the past?
3: (laughs) Well, as far as the trade, the way you look at it, John, you've been covering them forever. You know, it got panned nationally, as you you know. Uh, How would you rate the trade? Maybe, I don't know, in Texan history?
1: Well, the, the trade was terrible. Everybody thought some players, everybody. Right. Fans locally, nationally, O'Brien gets still gets killed. And now because Arizona beats San Francisco and Hop had such a great game, mm-hmm. he's getting killed all over again. And so right. for now, it's a lopsided trade. But three years from now, you don't know. You don't know what Blacklock's going to be. You don't know what they're going to use their fourth-round pick. Cooks is looked at as a part of that deal. But right now, it is a terrible trade.
2: Right. I worry about the Texans with this schedule. John I mean it is huh, you and everybody else. It's horrendous. Uh, you got Baltimore this week and then you go to Heinz Field to play the Steelers and big Bens rejuvenated. Minnesota comes in October 4th ne- never an easy uh, deal and the way they're stopping the run here comes Dalvin Cook. Good luck with that one. Uh, Jacksonville not a pushover. Tennessee the just one thanks to uh Vic Fangio's horrible clock management and then October 25th against Green Bay uh the Texans have a history of slow starts in seasons uh but they could always rely on they always had DeAndre Hopkins they had star power uh this thing it could get away from them right
1: I picked them to start 0 and three and finish 10 and six because That's a the schedule's finish. a whole lot easier after that Green Bay game. The only two teams they play that had winning records last year, Tennessee and New England. They play both of them here. They mm-hmm. were five and three on the road last year. They were eight and three in one-score games. Cowboys were what, like one and seven? Mm-hmm. So to me, when you win a lot of one-score games, it tells me you're mentally, you're mentally tough. And they go back to. Uh, 2018 when they were 0 and 3, finished 11 and 5. So they they know what it's like to get off to an 0 3 start. I think Baltimore will crush them as the Ravens did last year in Baltimore, 41 to 7. I don't think it'll be that bad, but I picked them to lose, and I picked them to lose to the Steelers. Then I picked them to start 1 and after an 0 3 start, start 1 and 3 because I think they'll beat the Vikings.
3: Is that the toughest schedule in the league, or just the toughest? By far,
1: the toughest first four games based on last season's records: 44 and 20. Those four teams are none of them had a losing record. Pittsburgh was eight and eight, and that was without Ben Roethlisberger, and he threw three touchdown passes in that uh, Monday night victory over the Giants. So yeah, I think if the Texans could be one in three after that murderer's row, they should feel pretty good about themselves.
2: I, I'm I'm really intrigued with this team because uh, I watched some of the game and and you're right, Will Fuller. When Will Fuller is right, mm-hmm. I mean he's yeah he's a dangerous dude, dynamic. But can you get him through those first four or five games before those hammies go out? He's a soft tissue nightmare. Um, uh, Deshaun Watson, I, I didn't get I didn't get to see a whole lot. Um, as far as the pass protection is concerned, did he take a lot of hits against Kansas City? Because I, 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 that, that's the part that I don't remember as much. He
1: was sacked four times for 11 yards. To me, that's not a big deal when you're getting no. sacked four times for 11 yards. Problem was, he was having to run too much. Right side of their offensive line, right tackle Titus Howard, right guard Zach Fulton were terrible. And they played against two good guys, Chris Jones and Frank Clark, and they ate them up. Mm-hmm. Everybody's blasting the line, which is not fair because center Nick Martin, left guard Max Sharping, and left tackle Laramie Tunsil did a good job. Problem was coming from the other side. And last year, when they played the Ravens, the Ravens knocked him down ten times, had eight tackles for loss. Matthew Judon, there was their franchise player. Uh, he had two sacks, four hits three tackles for loss and a fumble recovery and he'll be lined up opposite Titus Howard. I understood Howard having a tough start against Frank Clark. He hadn't played since midway through last season, didn't have a preseason of course. He had two operations, one on his knee, one on his hand and he'll play better because in the first eight games last year he played like a guy who was a number one pick, made the all-rookie team based on that small sample size but if Zach Fulton continues to screw up, I'd think about putting him on the bench and bringing in one of these other guys who couldn't play any worse. So I, I'm writing about for Friday about the tempo and how when they were down 31 7 they were letting too much time click off the clock. Bill O'Brien disagreed with me today. He thought the pace was good, but I've got evidence to show that it was not. They have to play faster, they don't want Watson spending all his time at the line of scrimmage, directing traffic, looking to the right looking to the left, looking behind him, moving players around. Just go up there and snap the ball and let him play.
3: Hmm. Well, he's, he's one of the best players in the league. We all know that. And he agreed to a new contract. Uh, did that surprise you? Everybody wants security. But after the trade with DeAndre Hopkins, is there any thought that, well, maybe I'll just play out my – contract and and go somewhere else where i have a better chance to win a
1: championship absolutely not players don't think like that because number one they couldn't because they can get franchised up to three years i remember after the hopkins trade vegas said the favorite to have watson in 2021 was new england and i had talk shows ask me i said what kind of nitwit (laughs) <laughs> would think something like that. He's under contract for two more years. They could franchise him three years. Right. So he couldn't go, and they're going to sign him to almost $40 million a year. And I was right. Mm-hmm. I wasn't the one that said it. I knew he would be number two to Mahomes. If Lamar Jackson wins a Super Bowl this year, and I picked them to go to the Super Bowl against the Saints and the Saints to win. But if Jackson wins a Super Bowl, he could be paid more on average than Mahomes. If he doesn't win a Super Bowl, I think he'll be number two to Mahomes, and Watson will be number three in average salary. And mm. uh, so, no, Watson you – know, for people who think players don't play it out because they can be franchised, they want to get paid. They right. could have paid DeAndre Hopkins if they wanted to, but he wanted a $10 million a year raise, and they weren't going to do it because they had to sign – their goal was to get Watson and Laramie Tunsil. And one of the things they've showed in the contracts they've given their players, if you are, if you work hard, you're a good guy and a good teammate, and you've produced, you got a chance to have a financial windfall because mm-hmm. they've made Watson number two in history, Tunsell number one offensive lineman in history, gave Zach Cunningham inside linebacker fifty eight million, and so uh, Whitney Merciless, after he led the team in sags, he's thirty, but they gave him a new deal, so they will pay people who produce in mm-hmm. Hopkins' deal, they weren't going to redo it with three years left and give them a 10-million-year raise. And the reason they didn't get a number one pick, they tried every team. Most teams won't redo deals with mm-hmm. three years left, and Arizona agreed to do it. And w-
3: is, is Deshaun Watson okay with the direction that the franchise is going? Is he all in, you feel like, mentally?
1: He says he's all in all the time. When we ask him, he's got a new play caller and Tim Kelly. I think Tim Kelly and Anthony Weaver, their defensive coordinator, calling plays for the first time. Those guys needed a preseason just like the players. And uh, I don't think either one of them distinguished themselves right off, and I didn't expect them to. Mm -hmm. I picked the Chiefs to win 37-27. They won, what was it, 30 – what was the final score, 30? I don't even remember what the final score
2: was.
1: 34-20. Yeah, 20. That's what it was. Right. I think I'll pick this one about 33 to maybe 20, 21, something like that. So it's going exactly the way I figured it would. The key is once they get past this bad start, then will it go the way I think it will when they'll get on a roll against lesser teams?
3: Do you think uh, do you think Watson and O'Brien have a good working relationship, and uh, they're well, Watson, on the same page? Watson
1: has defended him even when we don't ask him.
2: That and that, and that's telling. That's telling. You right. think ten and six is going to going to win the uh, AFC South?
1: Cedric, I picked uh, Tennessee and Houston to go ten and six, and I have the Titans win the division on a tiebreaker, and the Texans earning a wild card. And I think I picked Indy nine and seven. And uh, Jacksonville, Doug Morone has control of personnel over there without being the GM, as O'Brien did last year here. And when you see them getting rid of players, it's because Marone doesn't think they fit the culture there. And for one game at least, you know, they're celebrating over there. Doug Marone, I like him a lot. I'm glad he won that game. You know, that, to me, was still a bigger upset than Washington beating Philadelphia, but because everybody picked Jacksonville to be the worst team in the league, tanking for Trevor. And now they got the mustache coming off three touchdowns and no interceptions.
3: Everybody loves the mustache. What about Brandon Cook? So what are we going to see from him? Is he going to be the the alpha receiver or is that going to be Fuller's role?
1: It should be Fuller because Fuller's been here now. This is his fifth year, last year of his contract. He's got a chance to be one of those players to cash in here if he stays healthy and produces the way we think he will. But he has never come close to doing what Brandon Cooks did. Brandon Cooks had four consecutive 1,000-yard seasons, helped the Rams go to the Super Bowl in 18 last year. He had a career low 42 catches, and he's off to a two-catch 20-yard start. And Mm. so people are ready to throw in the towel on Brandon Cooks after one game. It amazes me. Maybe it's because I'm covering the NFL for 44 years. And so many people panic – after one game, and it's mm-hmm. and it's not what you do in September and October in NFL is what you do in November and December. That is a tried-and-true adage. Do you
3: think he's healthy? I know he had that hamstring. He's got a
1: quad problem that's been bothering him since before he got here. They right. took it easy on him in camp, but I watched him practice a lot, and he said it's not an issue, but I think most players would say their injuries aren't an issue. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think if it were an issue – the doctors would not have let them put him out there because to right. make it worse. He could miss six weeks. Yeah.
3: Any any big surprises after one week in the league that you saw?
1: Washington and Jacksonville being in first place, Arizona beating the <laughs> NFC Super Bowl team in, in Santa Clara, the 49ers. Right. To me, those were the three biggest. I wasn't surprised about Cam Newton and the Patriots. Wasn't surprised about Drew Brees. I thought Tom Brady would play better. And mm-hmm. he's got too many too many talented players not to play better. But sometimes we lose sight of the fact he's forty three years old. Right. He doesn't have a fastball anymore. You know, he's a kind of a junk pitcher, mm-hmm. which is not what Bruce Arian's offense was. He's had to adjust that offense from holding the ball, waiting for his great receivers to get open down the field to be more of a rhythm offense, which is what Brady has always done. But um I tell you one thing: Brady's not used to getting criticized after a game by a head coach, and Arians wow. do that, and he did it to Tom Brady. That tells you nobody is immune.
2: Yeah, I love I love that, and Belichick was the same way. I mean, he get after Brady as well. But um, uh, uh, we could talk NFL all day, but I would be remiss um, if um, I didn't ask you about your Baylor Bears who are starting out the season. Against the uh, Houston Cougars, and they hastily arranged to get together um, on Saturday. I just got my uh, credentials um, and I'm, I'm going to be there. Um, can they keep Charlie Brewer upright this season? And if not, how bad things going to be under Aranda?
1: A lot of problems for Brewer and his concussion cousins were self inflicted. He holds the ball too long. True. They got to get him to get rid of the ball. And when he's running, He's got to go out of bounds, go down, don't try to run over anybody.
2: That, bowl game, Robert, that bowl game hit, John, was brutal.
1: Mm-hmm. He's doing what Robert Griffin did and and did in the NFL, too. That they just don't want to go down, throw it away, live for another place. So, you hope Larry Fedora, who's the offensive coordinator, has worked with him on that to try to get him to do it. Because if he gets one more concussion, he might be done with mm-hmm. college football and then just go into the real world. But if Brewer can stay healthy, Baylor should be good. It's their defense that could be an issue. They only have three starters coming back. They got some transfers, but I'm skeptical until I see them. Mm -hmm. University of Houston, which is still at Derek King, has gone to Miami. I believe he'll be a candidate to win the Heisman. And because that kid can run and throw, and Dana Olkerson didn't see eye to eye, even though that's not what came out. (laughs) <laughs> and so the last game I covered working for the Waco Tribune-Herald in September of 76 was University of Houston's first game in the Southwest Conference. They beat Baylor 23 to five. I was there two weeks later. I told David Campbell I was going to the Chronicle and came to the Chronicle in middle of October, but I'll never forget that game. And I hope now Baylor can get some revenge. <laughs> I
3: nice to see Dave Miranda get off to a good start. Good guy. And, uh, Hell of a defensive record. People oh.
1: seem to like him a lot. I yeah. haven't met him, but I know a lot of people that have. Plus, I know all the media people really like and respect him. He's treated him very well. He's pretty low-key for a defensive coordinator. You know, most of those guys, they're they're spitting and blowing snot on people because they're so uh, fired up, and he's pretty cool customer.
3: He really is. He is a low-key and cerebral as a defensive guy, you'll see. Oh, uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about former Longhorn Aminahue. Uh, what are your expectations from Charles uh, this year?
1: Charles did not play a good game in his first game as a starter. One of the reasons they let Angelo Blackson go, they thought Charles was ready to step in it right in. He did. He played 40 some percent of the snaps, didn't register anything. Mm-hmm. But he's only got one way to go. They are really fired up about him after training camp, and he'll get better. Last year he was used mostly as a pass rusher, but he's got to prove he can play to the run. But let me tell you, all he did was fall in line with a bunch of guys that can't play the run.
3: Right. Well, I look forward to seeing you this uh, this weekend. I don't. I'm sure we'll be spaced
1: properly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll be spread out in in uh, Kansas City. I like to have a lot of room anyway. And where they put the visiting media, there's 13 seats on the second row, and there were only five. So it was great. That's the way it'll be at NRG Stadium, too. And the only issue I had after the game, it was too loud trying to do Zooms and hear the Texans when you had people um, close enough talking to Andy Reid and his players. So the Texans will do a really good job about transcribing quotes like they always do.
3: I guess I should bring a sack lunch, I guess. No,
1: they're going to have food. They're going to have a cooler full of water and drinks. Mm. The only difference in the food, it'll be like it has been. You can't get it yourself. They'll have people serving it to you. So, no, you don't need to bring that stack lunch.
3: (laughs) Well, I look forward to seeing you and seeing the Texans up close, and I'll see you. Okay, car,
1: travel safe. I can help you with anything. Let me know. Cedric, thank you very much as always. Always fun to come on with you guys.
2: The great John McClain, ladies and gentlemen, always a pleasure, John. And uh, stay safe, brother, and we'll talk soon.
1: Thanks, guys. See you, John. Bye-bye. Take care. On Second Thought.
2: Well, that will do it for Episode 192 of On Second Thought. we got to thank our guy, John McLean of the Houston Chronicle, for joining us. For the Duck, Kirk bowls. I'm Cedric Golden. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com. Join Ced and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play.